Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football-specific podcast. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined as always by... This is Big Kurt here. Uh, we That probably was our longest sabbatical between yeah, podcasts. Yeah, I think it probably was, we, wasn't it? Yeah, so I believe somewhere around 88 to 92% of the blame is on me. I've had a insane... Work and outside of work schedule I that think, has usurped the podcast. Sure, but I think that's probably only because you had stuff going. I didn't realize I also had stuff. <laughs> Even if you were available, we probably still would not have recorded okay. because I we moved to we, our new house. Both of us had moving situations and, that we had to deal with. I mean, it was the seventh circle of hell for like a week. It, we have the so much useless I, I think crap. it's defined that's what moving is it literally that's oh my that's god the seventh ring of but hell. then you add my wife into the equation who just elevates it tenfold that's like every do. little stress becomes 10 times worse because of her it sounds familiar i paid approximately somewhere between 1500 and 2000 dollars just in garbage removal of crap that we we have nowhere to put it we're, we're downsizing and i i just kept telling my wife see this thing wasted money wasted money all this wasted stop buying stuff we don't need it <laughs> i mean I, a- I literally paid to throw out things that we bought and never used <laughs> there's uh there's gonna be a couple things that are gonna get big curd fired up on this podcast yeah that's, that's, that's just the first, the first one. one uh for for my moving situation um i thought i was out of the moving business i i had reached a a uh, part in my life for the or the age income ratio yeah starts making sense to yep. have human beings do it for you. Right. Uh, that's how it's been the last two or three moves, I believe. By the way, I paid for someone. It was still that bad. Continue. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, for mine, it was just a, a, a quick move to stage a house. Uh, because of the timing, there's no movers to grab short sure. notice. I yeah. literally had to do it. The one kind of cool thing is through networking through friends, the mover I had to, to help me was this college-age kid, football player. Okay. That plays football at St. John's. Oh, okay. Good so school. Spent good, like, good program. Right. So we spent like four hours together. Um, really, really good kid. I'm not going to say his name. I never yeah. told him I was going to bring him on the podcast or whatever. But awesome kid. Fullback. I mean, you can pretty much look him oh, up, cool. now, I guess. But so, you know, St. John's, they do the non-tackle stuff. That's right. They've always done. They were like revolutionary, right? Yes. They never tackled in practice. Back yep. to the... Galliardi days, right? Correct. So, yeah. And he's been gone for a while. For a while, he's been yeah. a coach for a while. They still recently. continue it. Yeah, and they they still continue okay. that tradition. I didn't realize um, that. And I asked him about it, and he's like, "Don't like it." <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. He's he's a fullback. You yeah, know? sure. The big dude. The kid loves the thump, and he's like, "Wish wish I could hit." <laughs> we. I had a guy in my high school team that went there specifically because they didn't tackle in practice. Like he loved, he was a gamer. He loved playing games. He didn't like practicing. He's like, I'm gonna go to St. John's. Don't like, get what? me, don't get me wrong. <laughs> you know, you go back to whether it's high school or or college, whatever. Days when you knew you were gonna thump. If you were sore, morning practice, oh, yeah. you're like, oh, oh it's brutal. You yeah. know, but scrimmages and times there, there were. I can I can distinctly remember being angry before I even walked on the field. Yeah, thinking to myself, I, I, I cannot wait hit something yeah somebody anything so yeah i don't know um all right so we got a plethora of house housekeeping items yeah is that quite a few say? yeah so we got some fun stuff to go through so um the one thing i was going to start out with this was okay. my new segment i don't know how you want to okay. call it hit but me with it so we're june right we're yeah. we're Close tracking in, we're tracking yeah 
Um, what I like to do is to look at the college football schedule overall, and you start to pull out games that maybe you weren't aware of. Okay. Uh, point being, like everybody knows Miami, Florida. Sure. Right. August twenty fourth. It's the yeah. It's the week zero or yep. I don't know. It might even be week negative one. It's it's really early this year as far as well. I think most teams start on the thirty first. That so should be week zero. Okay. So that's week zero is Miami, Florida. Right. So everybody yep. knows about Miami, Florida. That's the that's the official kickoff yep. of of college football. I'm very excited for that game. I mean, it's oh, going to be, be the awesome. first game yeah. that I'm gonna you know throw I'm, some I'm dinero down. On. I will never have cheered more for Florida in my life than that game. Okay. Oh, because ah, yeah. I have my little Background. my little vendetta against mm-hmm. Manny Diaz. Manny Diaz. So go, go Gators. Um, and obviously, this is a Big Ten football specific podcast. I will try to incorporate Big Ten games in this okay. scenario. So we're mostly looking at games. I would say definitely in the first week, if not the first uh, second, two, first two three weeks of the season that maybe you didn't know about. Something to get excited okay. about. Um, so no offense to Minnesota, because Minnesota which has been tradition. They play that Thursday night, right? Uh, opening open week, yep. which by the way, uh, set your, if you're taking PTO, uh, it's uh, Friday, August 30th. That to me, that's okay. the day I take off every year. You, okay. you, you turn it into a whole sure. college football weekend. So that that's the day you want to take off. Um, so no offense to, you know, SDSU at Minnesota. I, I'm very excited to watch, you know, this version of the of Minnesota Gophers, but it's not a, move the needle type of game. No, is that fair to say? Not. I would say the same thing about Georgia tech Clemson. I mean, um, new yeah. coach at yeah. Georgia tech. Probably not one be that would think that game. Right. Okay. But here's two games on Thursday night. Okay. The pop off the, the page for me and, and, and think this is crazy for one of the first games out Thursday night. Uh, so this will be, uh, the 31st Cincinnati UCLA. It's UCLA at Cincinnati, oh, really? 6 o'clock p.m. game. On that Thursday. On that Thursday night. Boy. Cincinnati is a good Cincinnati is good, and UCLA we saw how not. horrible Chip Kelly's team was last right. year. And I, the, the whole trajectory of that program just doesn't seem very good right now. I could see them. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Cincinnati's favorite in that Bingo. game. Bingo. Yeah. I mean, right then and there, there's the backdrop of that game that makes it really interesting. So that there's maybe your first game you check out. As that game is wrapping up, this is crazy to me. I did not know this until I looked at it. Utah at BYU. Oh, no way. The first on Thursday? I'm going to tell you something right now. Josh, my boy, Utah Ute fan, these fan bases hate each other. This is is holy hatred. Yes, it is. It's the holy war. this game. The holy war. Yeah, so insane. I, that, I did so wow. that so there's two right I didn't there. even know that yeah. I didn't know either there. one of those so that's 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 my plan so I'm I just try learned to keep... something by listening to our podcast <laughs> and hopefully there's other people out there that will feel the same way yeah. all right I pass the uh, baton over to you for uh, going through uh, housekeeping items housekeeping no thank you sleeping housekeeping <sighs> okay are we are we starting out with yeah. the top okay Illinois tight end Luke Ford has been denied his waiver appeal by the NCAA. I hate you all so much! That does not even begin to explain my feelings about this. You disgust me. It's more than that. Uh, I would like to hand it off to you because I want to know your thoughts on this first before I dive in. I think I kind of said it in a previous podcast. Um, 
Let's point out one thing. Hold on. The, the, he had he has the mighty Tom Mars, the lawyer behind him, who has never ever lost a single waiver case against the NCAA in a hundred tries. This is his first loss. Continue. That that would that alone, as an Illini fan, I don't know. I, I'd be kicking and screaming. Like I said on Twitter, can we all give a collective shoulder hug to my buddy? And Kurt's like, no I hugs. want a hug. No I want to flip tables. Over I want to punch walls. I want to and... injure people. I want to make them suffer. It it just the collective. I mean, honestly, and again, I know we said this in a previous podcast, but Iowa fans. Nebraska fans, Minnesota fans, pretty much every fan of the Big Ten. I've seen Ohio State fans, Michigan fans. Everybody Everyone. has come together and said, this is ridiculous. How okay. is this kid not eligible? Now, I, I have I have seen people say, you know, I'm, I'm against him being eligible, but I've never heard anybody say, Justin Fields deserves it, Tate Martell deserves it, Luke Ford does not. No. Universally, does not 100% of people are are against that idea of those two being eligible and him not. I have not seen a single person say otherwise. Want to hear something crazy? A guy on the Georgia message boards called all Georgia fans to to like basically a strike on the NCAA headquarters by phone. He posted their their main phone number and said, everyone call and complain about this. This is an outrage. No a kidding. Georgia fan. And and for anybody that wonders why a Georgia fan, Luke Ford was at Georgia. He was at Georgia. Transferring back. So everybody knows that Luke Ford's a good dude, apparently. Oh, no, Luke Ford is a great kid. Okay, this guy, first of all, very devout young man, um, hard worker, very positive. He has never said anything negative in this entire process. Every time something bad happens to him, he posts on Twitter and says, God's plan. And he, he just never complains. By all accounts, and, and great maybe kid. The, and, and I mean, right now, going through my head is squeaky wheel gets the grease type of thing. Maybe he should have been kicking and screaming. And you Maybe. Know, and this uh, is a guy who does... I mean, the, the grandfather thing was genuine. He, he was posting pictures of him and his sick grandfather way before this transfer thing happened uh, that I used to see on Twitter. I have always followed him on Twitter because he's... You know, it was a huge recruit from Illinois. So th that part is genuine. I don't even care what the rules are and why he got denied. Th this, to me... There is a clear bias to power teams versus non-power teams. I, I think now that's very obvious to everybody, right? Like you could, in my mind, you could make a sliding scale, right? The at the top, you know, left corner, whatever. The one hundred percent you're going to get uh, uh, okay to to play right away. If you are a quarterback at a blue blood yep. program, you are at the one hundred percent. You will be approved. As the sliding scale goes down, somewhere, you know, tight end at tight Illinois, end wrong. And th there is a bias that the NCAA has specifically against Illinois, but it's not, this isn't even about that. He, he, he would have gotten denied if he had probably tried to go to Iowa. Um, but I don't understand. Here's what just confuses the hell out of me and always has for years. The NCAA works for the schools, not the other way around. Nobody is happy with the NCAA. Correct. No, Fire no them. Nobody has... Nobody has an issue with it. Fire them. Even, even I think if you pulled Big Ten West coaches, right? Because by and large, football coaches, they're, they're salt of the earth type of guys. And they're going to do what, hey, we need to do what's best for, quote unquote, the kids. Yeah. You know, I think if you asked Paul Christ and Pat Fitzgerald and Scott Frost and said, do, should should Luke Ford be eligible? Every, Even though they know it makes their job right. a little bit tougher, I guarantee every one of them. Every say single yes. one of them is going to say yes. So my point of bringing that up is, what is the point of not making him eligible? I don't know. 
I mean, they're only making themselves look bad. They're just adding fuel to the fire. It's like they're they're just giving a big f you to to every college football fan out there. Yeah, you hate us now. You're, now you're gonna hate us more. We love being hated. It's weird. It's I, it's I'm so sorry, effed man. up. I don't, I don't I don't know what to say. It's ridiculous. I, I okay. One more, one last thing I do yeah. want to say is fuck Mark Emmert. <laughs> fuck you, you dick, and fuck the NCAA. Bunch of suckers. Go to hell. It's not strong enough. You, Mark Emmert. We're, uh, <laughs> we might get our first little, like, you know, the E explicit thing that's down in the corner. Oh, uh, yeah. Like, like an Eminem album, you know? I'll, like, I'll might... bleep those out. Okay, moving on. Michigan running back Chris Evans has been declared academically ineligible for this upcoming season, will not play for Michigan this year. Nebraska running back Mo Washington was cited by NU police for possession of drug paraphernalia. So in both cases, you have uh, a team that is trying to keep momentum going or take a step up offensively. Yeah. Um, both both teams, just like anybody else, are obviously going to rely on their running backs. If I mean, we, we already know with Chris Evans, if it's the case with Mo Washington that they're not eligible for the 2019 season, that hurts a... I would say in both cases, somewhat depleted running back yes. room. Yeah, for, not, for not both teams. great running back rooms either place, although Dedrick Mills will be playing this year for Nebraska. I'm excited yeah. to watch him. But this, of course, is the Mo Washington that's already in, you know, academic, or he, not academic, uh, uh, legal trouble. Right. I mean, I understand there wasn't, I don't think there was anything in the, the, the there, there was nothing in the, uh, the uh, what do you call it, the per- drug paraphernalia my guess is okay. something to smoke weed out of i i really don't know that so but that's some, something pretty insignificant but still you gotta you gotta mind your p's and q's right? okay and that's right that's now. the point i'm trying yeah. to make obviously he's got a background of making really bad decisions um the, the other thing that i would you know, so he's got background making bad decisions he chose to still have this in his possession yeah. my god drive a couple miles outside of campus toss the thing out your window right. whatever you got to do anything that's self-incriminating it gets back to the poor decisions of Mo Washington. You have to question if you're Scott Frost, the overarching what that kid does to the program. Oh, absolutely. And, I mean, at this point, I think he's probably more of a liability, right? And there's two things I would bring out with that liability part. If if something happens again with Mo Washington, mm. it is 100% on Scott Frost or or yeah, that sure. athletic department. And yeah. you've had way more signs than what you should have. The other thing too is if I'm Scott Frost, I would pull whoever Mo Washington's buddies are on the team and yeah. pull them in and say, "What are you guys doing? Did you and, see this? Did you know?" And I have assume he's at- doing that. But you just got a knucklehead here that you're dealing with. And uh-huh. and again, there's a sliding scale of how good is the player and how much do you put up with. I think we're kind of reaching that point with Mo Washington. I think we've gone past it. You need yeah. to be Randy Moss levels of talent right. to to deal with this type of stuff but whatever okay moving on pj fleck (laughs) was quoted recently Uh, this is about reclaiming the axe paul bunyan's axe against wisconsin quote that game set the tone for the next two to three decades of gopher football not two to three years decades this is i i love minnesota fans i love gopher fans i love the gophers boy this is nobody has hyperbole like like pj fleck No no coach no the, that is the most insane thing to say. I I mean, how egotistical okay. is that? One win sets the tone I, for I'm three gonna, decades? I, I'm going to play. 
I don't know if devil's advocate is the right word here. Uh, and I can't believe I am. I, I, I'm going to probably hear myself saying this at some point and, and cringe, but like, I, I, kind of get I, what he's trying to say. Well, I know what he's here. trying to do. What he's trying to say is gopher football is going to look and feel different moving forward. So and maybe he this, just kind of... This will be the game that in everyone Minnesota gopher lore where we look back and say, when did it all change? When did Minnesota... That's the game. Now He just has a way of saying things like that in a ridiculous way. And over the top way. He could have, and he has in the past, referenced that win as being huge for the program and what it could mean to the program moving forward, moving into this year. That 100% is is the truth. Absolutely. But then going, <laughs> you, you, I, could, I could see him saying it was a huge win for us. It could be a win that reverberates out for the next two, three seasons. Well, if, if like we're the- able, if we're able to capture that momentum, hold on to it, and get the program yeah. moving forward. Because in that situation, you are you are referencing what happened, which was a big win, and then trying to use that as a tool and motivation for your team to move forward. Sure. But he just skipped over all oh, of he, that. He blasted way past it. Just There was a line. He didn't step over it. He sprinted past it. Um, have by the way, have you seen the T-shirt that he gives to his recruits when they come on campus? You reference those enormous block letters in the front that say "Fleck," and tiny little PJ up in the corner, and something about boats in the bottom right corner. But enormous. You're making Just, this up. Swear to God, I, I got a picture. I, I, I'll, I'll pause it. I'll show you the picture right now. Let's <laughs> pause it. Are you serious? Um, okay, so now you know I'm not Big making Kurt, it up. Big Kurt has shown me the picture. Oh, boy. That's weird. It's that strange just how weird. how big his ego is, that he makes the th- everything about him and not necessarily he, he, the program. I want to take a chance here, and I, I'm sure we've talked about this in the past, but we obviously live in Minnesota, you and I, so we talk to Gopher fans, some of my best friends. And again, Gopher. I love Gopher fans. Great By people. and large, yeah, not um, – it, it, I, I, one of my insiders is like, listen, he's not my cup of tea. Yeah. But I, yeah, we've talked to, about this before. Right. Yeah. And I just feel like it, it, it's worth mentioning again. Like, if you're wondering how Gopher fans feel, they realize something different had to happen. This is the different thing that's happening right now. So they, they've got to, they got to go for it. They got to give it a chance. But, but that type of stuff, I'm telling you, it doesn't sit well with. with yeah, I, I imagine, and and he, it, and which fuels more fire to the weird Twin Cities media yeah. against Fleck fans, which is strange. It, it is, it is, but it's one not, of the more odd college football yeah. slash media relationships ever. Well, it's weird in in Chicago with Illinois too. Okay, so speaking of recruits, um, well, let's start here. Michigan wide receiver Oliver Martin, former four star recruit. From Iowa City, Iowa's transferring. It looks like he's probably going to end up at Iowa. Or what are you hearing? Don't want to jinx it, but yes, yeah, that's what it, it's it, looking like. And this is the recruit that uh, Khaki Pants jumped into the pool with because apparently uh, this young man was a swimmer in high school. I guess yeah. a really good swimmer, and yep. they were at the pool and jumped yeah, in the pool. So the pool. Yeah. back in my my anti Khaki Pants days, where he's kind of toned it down now, and I yeah. I'm more on the Khaki Pants bandwagon. So speaking of recruits, though, this is not Big Ten related, but Chris Steele. He was a five-star defensive back recruit, I believe from California. 
I'm going to give you a timeline of, of his history, okay? January 30th, 2017, commits to UCLA. And where is he from? Where? I think he's from California. Okay. I'm not sure about that. that makes sense. I should have looked that up. Uh, decommits from UCLA August 2, 2017. Commits to USC July 6, 2018. Decommits from USC October 18, 2018. Commits to Florida. Signs with Florida January 5th, 2019. Enters the transfer portal May 19th, 2019. Enrolls at Oregon. University of Oregon, May 14, 2019. He is now transferring and heading back to USC. That's stupid. This is maybe the craziest, circuitous path I've ever seen wow, a recruit nice. take. Yeah. I, I don't remember anything like this. But worth bringing up just so you could use the word circuitous. Circuitous, yeah. Jeez, nice yeah. Work, I think I'd get a bonus for that, Singe don't I? Singe my eyebrows on that one. That's... I mean, it's just more transfer portal. I, I honestly, I was thinking about this the other day while driving around. I, I don't think I'm silly when I say this. These are young kids, right? There's literally science to prove that your, you know, frontal lobe is not developed when you right. are a teenager until you're, you know, in your mid to early twenties. I think these kids literally just love to see their name flash across Twitter, being talked about in some capacity. And is that the sole purpose of him switching schools like underwear no no but it's just it's just an added bonus but for yeah him. There, there's different all different you know kinds of kids in recruiting some just love the process love the attention others can't stand it but this is obviously a kid that loves it right and, and a kid that doesn't know what what the heck he wants to do a kid that i hope my football program continually stays the heck away from oh absolutely because it, it's there's no good this is this is my guess is this is not going to end with a, you know, all uh, no all, all all American uh, in, first round know, draft pick. Right. No, it just doesn't no, seem that way. Not going to happen. Moving along, this I'm not sure the exact source I got it from, but it's been all over Twitter, and it's Power Five schools that do not play an FCS opponent in 2019. Okay, there are do six. Do not play. Do FCS. not play. No FCS opponent on their schedule this upcoming season. There are 16 teams, only 16 total teams in the whole country, which is pretty low. 11 of those are in the Big Ten. <laughs> 11 of 16 so that do not have an FCS opponent. That is just short of 80%. The next closest conference is the Pac-12. They have four such teams. The Big 12 has one. ACC, zero. SEC, zero. That's insane. So yeah. as a puffy chesty Big Ten fan, I'm proud of that. I'm proud I am too. that... The, the Big Ten does not play an FCS opponent. Absolutely. Um, with that being said, talk out of two sides of my mouth alert. It is a, another huddle or hurdle, excuse me, that the Big Ten has to jump over. Right. In order to have a team go through unscathed. Because let's, let's, okay. I understand a power five team should beat a group of five team most of the time. Yeah. With that being said, you fall asleep at the wheel. They're usually not pushovers. Right. I mean, there are obviously the gap between a power five team and a group of five team is much, much closer as compared to a power five oh, yeah. team and an FCS team. I'm just saying, like, people act like sometimes, especially on, you know, the Twitter sphere that a power five team plays, you know, a group of five team that it, it just automatic win. No, no. You, you, you're probably going to have to block and tackle pretty good. Absolutely. That day. With an FCS team, unless it's an FCS powerhouse, you, can pretty you would much expect walk through the game. That, that that team would win. So so you've got 
the uh, Big Ten as compared to SEC and ACC, and really it's every conference, but FCC, ACC, and SEC the most, you've got two hurdles. You've got we play nine conference yes. games as opposed to eight. Yep. That That's a huge jump. One extra game. In Power 5 opponents you're playing right there. Yep. Then you take it a step further with one of those four games that the SEC and ACC plays. It's not only not a Power 5 team, it's one of FCS. them is a yeah. winnable or a, a gimme, you know, kind of roll your helmet type out there game. So essentially two more difficult games per team almost. Correct. In the Big Ten versus the ACC and the SEC. Just, so, want to, just want to point that out yep. to everybody. Just want to make them aware. that. It, so proud of that. I mean, obviously, scheduling uniformity would be the key to talk about some other podcast. Oh, but, funny but, you bring that up because yeah. maybe we'll get that eventually. Mm-hmm, maybe because. things are changing because the Big Ten Conference has hired Kevin Warren, the COO of the Minnesota Vikings, to be their new commissioner. What do you think about Kevin Warren as the new commissioner? I mean, looking at once the news hit, I kind of looked into his bio a little bit. And one thing that I found right away that I thought was just awesome, and, and I thought it would be something we could share on the podcast, but now it's all over the place. Everybody was talking about. Did you see the story about Kevin Warren, young African American man, mm-hmm. got into a car accident yeah. when he was a young man? Obviously, not driving the car. He was really young. Right. Um, got was really hurt. They said that the only way he would be able to not let alone play sports, but walk without assistance again would be to do really intense swimming. Yeah. So the extra, so so he took his settlement, settlement money, money yeah. built a pool in his backyard. He grew up in Phoenix, Arizona. Okay. So that he could train himself in the pool and was able to get back on his feet literally walk and then play and sports. played college fo- uh, yes. basketball yes. Not, not football basketball that's incredible and, all right so i think kevin warren is an incredibly accomplished guy very polished i think he's a good candidate for the job but i think they overthought this he doesn't have any college experience it's all pro experience it's weird that i don't i, I just think don't they, think he was the I best think what fit. you're seeing from this is they know that right now running the big 10 conference from an athletically speaking point of view Bear with me here. It's kind of running itself. Yeah. Okay. Like we, okay. we know this stuff. What they really need is somebody to look at this from literally straight up a business point yeah. of view. You and he'll are do that. A straight up CEO when you're in the Big Ten right. commissioner role. That yeah. that is what I think. They they know that we're running into a an, another change in the college football landscape where where the cutting the cord and moving away from cable. If that's really how it goes down, I got, yeah. you know, I'm not sure hundred percent sure that's 100% going to happen. But the fact of the matter is we need a smart person in charge that has got some sort of marketing, some sort of business background. The laws are always going to be a part. That's why you always see lawyers or somebody sure. with a law, law degree in their background. And a law degree from Notre Dame. R- right. So that's why they put that person, you know, with that type of background. I just hope it, works yeah no big and, 10 ties either i thought that was a little strange so that's that was what i was going to put out there is grew up in phoenix arizona um went to college in the university of penn uh then went to arizona state for uh for um graduate college okay and then went to yep. law school yep, at notre, notre dame. dame 55 years old when he starts the job, that's a little older than I thought they would hire. By comparison, Jim Delaney grew up in New Jersey, so now technically okay. that's the Big Ten footprint. Went to college and law school at North Carolina, obviously outside the yeah. Big Ten footprint. Right. Do you know how old he was when he I took don't. the job? 
41. Wow, that's pretty young. That's pretty young. Jim Delaney but is honestly, 41. I thought they would kind of go in that like mid 40s range for for a commissioner because he Kevin Warren's only the sixth commissioner in the history which of the is Big insane. Ten, which is crazy. Yeah. They want I th- would feel like they want someone for a couple decades. Like that's what they're going for. Right. So I, I don't. Gonna, see, I mean, he's, he's no gonna Kevin's be retiring not going to do that. Literally but, ten years from now, so. or maybe they don't want someone that long. Maybe they want to turn it over and get fresh blood every could now be, and then. Could maybe, be. Maybe that's what they're. I, talking I would. About. So obviously, it was an upset, right? If this was a yeah, big, everyone everyone thought it was a Jim slam Phillips. dunk. Jim Phillips. Yeah. I was in favor for a couple reasons. He's doing a great job at Northwestern. They can only take a step back if they <laughs> lose him, and he's from. He went to Illinois. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was a surprise. I mean, across the board, though. I, I, it's hard to pick apart too many things of this guy's background now, and character. Like so. I said, great background, obviously uh, deserving of the job. I just thought it was a strange kind of out of the box hire. And and sometimes the maybe that's what they're of, going for. Right, exactly. That's yeah. kind of the part of the motivation right there. All right, the next segment here, we're going to go over the new 2020 FBS College Football Hall of Fame candidates that are from the Big Ten Big Conference. Ten, yep. Okay, so, so if you. Some of these guys, Maryland, for example, weren't a member of the Big Ten during the person's playing career, but that constitutes now that they are. Yes. So we're going to do this in alphabetical order. Start with Illinois. Mo Gardner, defensive tackle. This was the 1990 Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year and the 1989 Big Ten Lineman of the Year. Simeon Rice, linebacker, even though he's technically a defensive end, they called him a linebacker, holds the conference and school record for career sacks, 44 and a half. Oh, um, my guy, Big Sim. Uh, for our next segment uh, that we'll get to, you know, looking at looking in the background of Illinois football, I can't even pull. I can't tell the defensive lineman apart. There was just a nonstop factory for a while there of just Illinois defensive line. Yeah, like they just it was amazing. Um, Mo Gardner, I I remember. I yeah, remember I Mo remember. Gardner. I my guess is. If you're a little bit younger, maybe not quite as committed of a college football fan, you might you might not remember Mo Gardner. But Simeon Rice, my first reaction when I saw Simeon Rice is Simeon Rice isn't in the College Football Hall of Fame already. Yeah, the I know it's the, it's he's, strange, he's, right? He's one of the greatest college football players in the Big Ten all time. Yeah, I don't know why it took so long, but I sure hope he gets in. Moving on to Indiana, quarterback Antoine Randall L. When he left college, he had rushed for more yards than any quarterback in FBS history. He was so much fun to watch, wasn't he? First team All-American. So he was at Indiana when I was at Iowa. Um, I don't remember watching film. You know, going in to watch film was not not the most exciting and fun thing in the world. It's not like you're going to watch a blockbuster movie. However, one of the things I do remember is watching Antoine Randall L on film and i remember thinking to myself how are we going to stop this <laughs> this is insane and he was a finalist for the heisman trophy just a stuff awesome career okay moving on to iowa dallas clark tight end Mackey award as the nation's best tight end his last year any memories about dallas you want to yeah go through all the iowa okay guys and then... Mo- moving along andre tippett defensive end for many years had no idea he was an iowa guy i only uh-huh. found out Years after he even retired, but holds the record for total uh, tackle for loss yardage in Iowa history. Tim Dwight, he was a fun one. Iowa kick returner, wide receiver. Finished his career as the Big Ten's leader in punt return yardage. Um, so two things. Number one, um, 
with using Dallas Clark as an example, he won the the Mackey. So we yeah. know that he was considered the best tight end of college football that year. Yep. Just this is just a ten thousand foot question. Is that enough to get you into the college football? Well, you do have to be an All-American. You have okay. to be a first-team All-American to qualify. Which pretty much, you I mean, not across the board. You could be a Mackey Award winner and not be a first-team All-American. I mean, do I think it? I would say, yeah. If okay. you're That's kind of what I was If you're an All-American, you win the be- you're the best player at your position that year. Yeah, I think that's pretty much automatic. It should be. Yeah. Um, I mean, this isn't like the Baseball Hall of Fame where it's... I mean, it is selective. It's like something like 0.02% of all players that have ever played make it to the hall of fame the college football hall of fame so it's extremely selective but still that's a pretty huge number of players you have so many teams right so i don't think it's as like sacred as like the the uh baseball hall of fame let's okay say. okay um real quick right i, I can take Go a for quick it. little side note um andre tippett before my time i just know him by yeah i i, I played with both tim dwight and dallas clark yeah um to give you my age range tim dwight was couple years older than me. Dallas Clark was a couple years younger than me. Um, Tim, Tim was good. He's a good guy. I don't know what to say. Like, I really like, I have a Tim Dwight story. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Okay. So I have a a buddy I played with in high school, went to Iowa. Okay. You, you know, yep. Yep. Um, And he told us he came back from his recruiting trip and he's like, yeah, they had us recruits together. And there was this little older guy next to some old guy. Like, he didn't have any hair, and I was like, who is this guy? And then realized, oh, he's one of us. He's a recruit. This is when Tim Dwight was probably yep. 17 years old. Yeah. So, he looked like he was about 35. Yeah, he was so – okay, that'll actually transition perfect. And I got – real quick, <laughs> the two Tim Dwight stories I remember are the 1997 Michigan game. Um, okay. I traveled with him. I was at the game. Okay. He was returning a punt, not the one for a touchdown at the end of the half, which was badass, but – there was just a normal punt return. It might even have been a, I don't know. It might've been a out route. He caught the ball and the defenders were coming at him. It would have made sense for him to, to go out of bounds, but he saw one Mr. Charles Woodson. And I think it was punt return. It was a stinger. And I'm pretty sure Dwight just saw it was him out of the corner of his eye. Uh And he just turned and went right at him. And I, and you would have thought Woods dude, when they hit, it was like a, cannon went off and it was right in front of me on the sidelines like literally within so it was wh- four feet of where i was standing on the sidelines it and then after they hit uh-huh dwight popped up from the turf and was like wow you know <laughs> yeah, yeah and charles just just got up and just sauntered away man because like, just so like do you think he wasn't expecting it like Woodson i don't think either one of them totally was ready for it. i don't think either one of them was expecting okay. it just all of a sudden happened but it was like dwight's reaction was to like yeah be like he was a little you know fire plug yeah. and get up and, and and scream and charles woodson just played it cool the other tim dwight story is <laughs> alluding to what you just talked about that the fact that he looked like he was 37 when he was 21 yeah, yeah. um so the and because of course he's a very fast white guy everybody just assumed he was on steroids he got no. that okay. all the time. Really? He got questions. He was on steroids. Huh. He was on steroids. Uh, never mind the fact that he was that fast when he was a freshman, sophomore sure. in high school, whatever. So we were at the sports column. That is the oh, yeah. place. To I've go. been there. Yeah. When you're a when you're an Iowa football player, at least it was in the late '90s. And some drunk, probably Chicago, oh. you know, yeah. frat boy walked up to Dwight and was like, "Come on, man, admit it. You're on steroids." And Dwight goes slams his beer 
puts it out and goes, I'll piss in this cup right now. You take it in and get it tested. <laughs> That's, That's pretty di- good. That's dying laughing. <laughs> um, and then real quick, Dallas yeah. Clark. Uh-huh. Uh, so I think this is probably somewhat of a well-known story. Definitely is the Iowa fans, but maybe not to all Big Ten fans. So when Dallas Clark came in, he there's basically three classifications. A, a scholarship player. Uh, preferred walk-on yep. and then a tackling dummy walk-on <laughs> right he was a tackling dummy no kidding walk-on when he came into iowa are you serious as an outside like so a real real walk-on like correct. They, people you know you'd see all the time you're watching oh this guy's a walk-on well he's he, he had scholarship offers yeah, here and there he's not yeah. really a walk-on but right. this guy was truly a walk-on truly a walk-on like that wow. um i didn't know that you know, I'm I'm old, so I'm going to screw up the years, but I believe it was 99. So I was on the older side of things. He was younger. So I knew him because I had switched to outside linebacker my okay. last year because we're going more of a 4-3 okay. scheme. So me and him were scrub <laughs> outside linebackers okay. sitting in the back. So I got to know Dallas simply because we sat next to each other, and he's just a great guy. So he played got, linebacker initially. He started at huh. outside linebacker. Okay. Um, he, he had a horrible family tragedy really? before he came to Iowa. Um, okay. then very quickly after being in Iowa, his appendix exploded on literally on the football field. Oh, wow. We, there's two at the time, there was two levels of, of the football field. All of a sudden we're, we're on the top level. We look down, there's an ambulance down there and we're like, Oh God, somebody broke their leg or whatever. Come to find out, it it was Dallas Clark. Ooh. He almost died. Jeez. Literally, almost died on the field. And I remember this is this is the thing I remember. People said, you know, like, who was it? who was it? And it was like Dallas Clark. There was guys on the team. Seniors are like, I, I don't even know who that is. You know, that's wow. Serious. I remember thinking that sucks. Where you're never going to see him again. You know, typically speaking, sure. something like that happens. For he was back. He healed up. Wow. He came back. Then we're running scout team punt. And um, he's he's like a, a split end on the scout team punt. Okay. And he's still an outside linebacker. He's still somebody that nobody knows. We run a fake to try to keep to try to catch the starting punt return off guard. The punter throws a wobbly bad ball. Okay. Dallas Clark is the guy that goes out on the route. Sure. Running down the field. <laughs> stops reaches behind him sure over top of the cornerback catches the ball one-handed okay pulls it in runs down the field and everybody's like you're now a tight end (laughs) right like people are like going nuts he was in the tight end room the next year wow started the year after that all conference all Mackey Award winner two years after that and got drafted second round to the Indianapolis Colts. And boy, that he was he was a the... stud in the NFL too. Of course. Just unstoppable. I don't think you could have made a tight end that fit better with no. the New England system than Dallas Clark. Um where's he from? Livermore, Iowa. Okay, so he is an Iowa guy. Yep. Boy, that's crazy. Okay. Yeah. Moving along. EJ Henderson. Remember that guy? Linebacker Maryland. Total stud. Loved watching him. Only two-time consensus first-team All-American in Terrapins history. Insane. Moving on to Michigan, Steve Hutchinson, offensive lineman, four-time first-team All-Big Ten. Another guy that I would say the next one, him and Jumbo Elliott. Yep. Uh, Especially, I would even say, with Jumbo Elliott. Just assumed he was already in the college football. Right. Hall yeah. Of fame. I mean, these are these that's are true. some of the greatest offensive linemen, not only in Michigan's history, but Big Ten football. Right. History. Jumbo Elliott, to me, that so he's the next one on the list, offensive tackle, is iconic. Like I remember him growing up because my cousin 
who lived in Michigan and was a lineman, was getting recruited by Michigan. His dream was to go play for Michigan, and he had a picture of Jumbo Elliott in his room. And it wasn't like a poster. It was like a picture, frame picture, because he idolized Jumbo Elliott. He wanted to be Jumbo Elliott. He actually never ended up going to Michigan, but he did play college football. Moving on, Mark Messner, defensive tackle. Boy, I, I, I know the name, but 1988 Big Ten Player of the Year as a defensive tackle. And four-time first-team All-Big Ten selection as well. Wow. The what late, a stud there. The late 80s O&D linemen were owned by the Wolverines. Absolutely. Michigan State, Flozell, the ah. Hotel Adams, <laughs> offensive tackle, three-time All-Big Ten performer. Morton Anderson. I don't know that I knew that he went to Michigan State. Okay. You know what the funny thing is? I didn't know that either. And yeah. I wasn't going to admit it because I didn't want to sound no, stupid. I, but I, I, I don't think I ever I, knew that. I, I mean, we're, it's a little bit ways in it's front of It's before our time. So, yeah. yeah. But let's see. Uh, Morton uh, still uh, set the still standing conference record with a 63-yard field goal in Insane. 1981. Insane. I had no idea and was a three-time All-Big Ten performer. Didn't even need half a foot to do it. That's right. Yeah, had, had his whole foot. And then one more for Nebraska. There's a coach. Uh, let's see. Daryl Rogers. So he coached at many places, but at Michigan State from 76 to 79, was the Big Ten Coach of the Year in 77, National Coach of the Year by Sporting News in 1978. Crazy. Wow. Nebraska, got several here. Larry Jacobson, defensive tackle, Outland Trophy recipient, so basically bested his position. Eric Crouch, loved watching Eric Crouch play. Nebraska quarterback, finished his career as the NCAA record holder for career rushing TDs by a quarterback. Zach Weigert. Also, I, if you win it. the Heisman. Yeah, you're in. <laughs> All right. he, is, he, is it literally his first year to be Yeah, I don't, I don't know how many years. I don't think it's that. I don't know. Yeah. I guess I don't know. I, I I don't know the like how many they accept. Maybe it just you, you have to fall down the, the line a little bit. All right, I got to have one, Eric Crouch. Sure. <laughs> If my brother's listening, he already knows where I'm going. We played Nebraska, okay. During Eric Crouch's, I think it was his, it was his senior year, okay. Um, it was our first year with Coach Ferens. Not exactly okay. the best time to be taking on a top three or right. whatever they were. Yep. Um, one of my buddies, not not great buddies, okay. but he uh, he was defensive back, young defensive back. Just got absolutely run over okay. by Eric Crouch. It, okay. it's, it's been, of course, by Nebraska turn, fans turned into a gif gotcha. that you can sure. find probably and ran in for a touchdown. Okay. We, we actually battled pretty hard in Nebraska the first half of that year or the first half, and then they kind of took over. Okay. Later on that night, we've got a party at my college house, which is all football players. Okay. And my brother, and you know, looking back, like it seemed like my brother was really old. He was like 25. Sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 24. Whatever. Who's the old guy in the room? <laughs> And he is bombed, and he is on okay. the couch. And this is not my brother. This is not typically how he is. But right. he, had, he, he had it was flowing, you know. And I would again yeah. say he was twenty five. And he's like, "Who was the guy that no. got ran over <laughs> right on the goal line?" Well, that guy was sitting right next, of to course, him on the couch. Yeah. So, yeah, because when you're drunk and you say something stupid like that, the person's always sitting right next to you. Okay, uh, we'll see where. Well, Eric Crouch, I want to say one thing about him. I was so proud of the voters for giving him the Heisman that year because he didn't have like eye popping stats, but he, to me, was the best player in the country. He deserved it. Uh, Zach Weigert, offensive tackle, 1994 Outland Trophy winner. Ohio State linebacker James Laurinaitis, who's from right down the road here in Wyzetta, Minnesota, three time first team All American. Three time. That's insane. That's amazing. I didn't know that. About because him. The, when you factor in. 
you, you know your your first team all probably as a sophomore. You typically leave after your right. junior year if you get two. Yeah. So for the fact that you can a stick around in your school and b stay healthy and c have that type of season or three did years, he that's insane? Did he leave early and he was all American all three years? I don't remember. I don't know. That's an, either way. Something to look into. Chris Ward, offensive tackle, two time first team All American, not too shabby. Keith Byers, running back, Heisman Trophy runner up, 1984 Big Ten MVP. Keith Byers, what, does that not also jump off the page where you're shocked that he wasn't already in the college? That football one is Hall totally fame? shocking because he I, was the the running back in college football for two, three years there. Yeah. That, he was the one. early 80s. I yeah. mean, I, I, it's, it's far back enough where I don't remember actually yeah, watching either. him, right. but I've seen film. And he was just, he was huge. He was fast. He was every. He, he caught the ball. Yeah, he did everything. That is strange. Penn State Jeff Harding's offensive lineman led an offensive unit, set fourteen single season school records, and led the FBS in scoring. This is back in the when they had those dominant mid nineties teams. Steve Wisniewski, offensive guard, helped block for Blair Thomas, as well as DJ Dozier. Those were some great teams. Purdue Larry Burton, split end. Know the name, but this is before my time. First team All American. And Outstanding College Athlete of America in 1974. Whatever. That sounds made up. It's, it sounds made up, but it sounds pretty good. And then finally, Wisconsin, Troy Vincent, defensive back, was runner-up for the 91 Thorpe Award, 91 Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. I met Troy Vincent a year and a Did half you? ago. Did you? Yeah. Where at? Uh, the For the uh, lead-up oh, to the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl, okay. Uh, the NFL my experience. My father-in-law actually played uh, had a cup of tea in the NFL. Yeah. So because of that, he's a member of the the Shield. Sure. And so we got invited to a father son thing. So since I had a son, we were invited to be okay. able to go. And Troy Vincent was the one hosting it. One of the most n- nicest. I, he didn't come off as an heir about him really at all. Okay. I mean, I, I mean maybe he's putting on a show, but what a what a great guy. Okay, well, that concludes that segment. Let's move on to the next one. Did you want to pitch this, or should I? Yeah, I mean, this is great. This is I, I, You should be pitching because it's your idea, but essentially, when this list got brought out, it it conjured up the, the old football feels for Kurt right. and I with a, with a couple guys about, you know, studs that we grew up with. So in this case, I don't know how many of these guys are going to actually be in the College Football Hall of Fame, maybe a couple of them. But these are the guys that would be in Big Kurt and Jeffrey the Greek's personal Correct. college football Hall of Fame because they're players that, in some way or another, made a lasting Impacted impression on you. Now, it, these and to qualify it, these are going to be players. So we're going to go through each Big Ten team and choose out our choose our favorite player in history from those programs. But it has to be someone that we actually watched. Correct. Like it can't be before. We remember watching them or before our time. This no. has to be, they have to be contemporaries of us. And they don't have to be, it's not necessarily the who think we think is the best player, just our favorite, favorite player. Favorite player. That's from each really program. got a personal touch on Correct. it. I would preface this by saying <laughs> if you were a Big Ten running back from the years 1989 <laughs> to, yes. to, to 95, you had a very good chance of being a player that I very much liked because it's, it's, this is the impressionable year, somewhere around age eight to seventeen, eighteen. Yep. That's that's when you really are, are forging your love for whatever sport it is that you wind up loving. Okay, so when I was young, I was a defensive back. I eventually transitioned into linebacker, but I always had you this. Ate thing. your way into linebacker. I ate my way up to a <laughs> linebacker, although a, a very undersized one. But uh, 
So I, I'm kind of like like you. You, you're biased towards running backs. I'm biased towards cornerbacks. Okay, good, good. Cornerback was always my like okay. favorite position to okay. watch when I was growing up. And along with that, maybe if you had a really fun name to say, it yeah, might have helped. That you probably chances. helps you a little bit, right? <laughs> Especially the younger we were. Okay, so we're mostly going to do this alphabetical. We're going to start with Indiana University. Yes. Okay. I kind of directed Kurt just on this one. Can I? Can I start out? Go for it, man. All right, this is so. I mean, they're sentimental. Tra- I mean, obviously, I'm taking Iowa out of the equation sure. when I say this, but I wanted to start out with Indiana because this is by far my favorite non Hawkeye player in the history of the Big Ten. Okay, by and far. Is, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. And that is running back Vaughn Dunbar. Oh, God. He was awesome. Oh, my God. I love First him. of all, he was awesome. Second of all, he just looked cool. Like, Thank has, you. Has Let, anybody ever looked cooler in a no. football uniform? He, let's go over the ways on why. the Number one, the visor. The, the visor was. It's the first guy I remember doing that, really. I, 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 was, I, I couldn't take my eyes off it as, as I was like 10 years old. I agree with you. It was the cool. Like, it made him look like a robot. Or something yes. like some sort of like a something, cyborg. Yes, that was put. His name's Vaughn Dunbar. Cool name. Cool name. Very cool name. He had great towel and elbow yep. pad yes. game. And, totally. And I don't know about you, but when I picture a running back, okay, nothing against Keith Byers or mm-hmm. or the really tiny scat back. Sure. But there is that look. Do you know what I'm talking that in about? In between look yes. where he's he's chiseled. He's not super long. He's not super short. He like it. Just everything looks right. Everything's you're, you're, in proportion. You're literally, I'm right on that. That is like you, what you just said right there is like that is my picture. He had all of that. Plus, he was really really good. I mean, he was he was a dang good. And I watched a lot of him growing up because let me say, let me think about his time. I think I still lived in Indiana at that time, and my brother was an IU fan, so I remember just watching him a lot when I was growing up. Um, number twenty six. That yes. was the number I took. For my all through my high school days, when yep. I finally had a chance to choose my number, I wanted to be Von. If they would have let me put a visor on my helmet sure. in high school, that thing would have been on there for Von Dunbar. Von Dunbar or any Indiana Hoosier fans, if you have contact of Von Dunbar, get this to Von Dunbar. If we could get him on the podcast <laughs> oh, so yes, I could interview him, it'd be the greatest thing. Okay, so world. mine is also a running back, a contemporary of mine, Alex Smith. Do you remember him? Sure. Uh, he was. He was a little more compact than than Von Dunbar was, but kind of just an all around guy, like a good, strong runner, pretty quick, but not super quick, could catch the ball, kind of did everything, blocked well. And I think he left for for uh, the NFL one year early, which was probably a mistake. He never really panned out in the NFL, but mine is it, it, this is one is not even close for me in, in Indiana realm. Alex Smith was always by far my favorite. Uh, and then I I'm not going to do this for every team, but. An honorable mention for me was Antoine Randall-L. But he, I couldn't choose him because he scared me. He scared me bad. Right. Because sure. we had to play against him. Like, yeah. we're trying to pick our favorite. He can't be my favorite player because, you know, he made my butthole pucker up. <laughs> but, that, but, but you know, it's pretty cool that, I mean, Indiana's got some good choices there. You know, they're they're maybe not known for, you know, the their yeah. amazing uh, college football prowess. Sure. But they've had some Fun players. I mean, Anthony Thompson, right. Thomas Lewis, they've had and, some good ones. And, and last one, then we'll move on. But Anthony Thompson, maybe the most underrated 
running back in Big Ten football well, and, history. And we've brought up Daryl Thompson. Darryl Th- yeah. Those two right. are kind of in the same sentence there, I think. Very much. Yep. Yeah. All right, let's circle back to Illinois. I want you to start on this one. I, I was wondering if you could guess who it is for me, because I've mentioned him before. But and again, oh we're, we're, we're going um, under. Jeff George? I don't know. Close. Jason Verduzco. Oh, Verduzco. Boy, he's, I mean, he would be honorable Looked mention like for me. Looked like Tom Cruise was built like Tom Cruise. Yeah, yeah, he definitely <laughs> <laughs> There was a picture recently with uh, Brad Hopkins, the his offensive tackle at the time. Okay. Uh, on Twitter, someone posted a picture of him, and tiny little Jason Verduzco was behind <laughs> him. It looked like a midget. Yeah. And I comment, I'm like, who's the midget behind yeah. uh Behind you, be happy. You know, and he liked the, the you know, comment. you're a, a badass when you're almost as good of a high school wrestler. Oh, as yeah. You were. So you know that about him. Oh, wow, I'm yeah. impressed. I love Jason Verduzco. I, you know, I was when we were kind of looking this up. I looked over his career stats. He barely had more touchdowns than he did. Yeah. No, interceptions. They... But but he there was one year he led the Big Ten in completions like Illinois was that that was old Illinois chucking the ball. Around oh, man. Yeah. Everywhere, man. He had and he still had something like a 65 percent. Completion percentage, which was yeah. crazy, you know, really back athletic in the guy. day, right? Yeah, love Jason Reed. Yeah, and he uh, controversially got benched his senior year, okay. which uh, it is I don't know. And 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 to kind of piggyback off what I said before, I went into this thinking maybe I would pick up pick out one of the dominant front seven guys. Okay, but they're all the same, man. It was just the okay. same machine, but not for me. Yeah. So Verduzco makes probably my top five. I loved him as a kid. Uh, mine is easily hands down nobody close Simeon Rice. Simeon Rice That's my guy. Yeah. Uh, contemporary of mine. He was in school when I was. I used to see him on campus. I met him one time. I could tell that story. It's kind of funny. I don't know if we want to do that now, but he's the only defensive lineman I can think of in my entire life where if he was on the field, I watched him. You watched nobody him. else. Absolutely. And I can tell you this about him. He he still is the conference leader in sacks. Every play that was a passing play, the team would slide the guard over too. So do you have he'd have two offensive linemen on him. And the running back in the backfield had his eyes right on Simeon Rice. Yep. So he had to beat exactly. three guys to get the quarterback. And they had to do the same thing in the NFL with him, too. He was a, he was an absolute stud. And so think about what that does to an offense. Like, it just makes everyone else's job on the defense easier, right? Right. Yeah. He, he affected every single play that he played in. Okay. I the reason why he's on the previous list that we talked about, about college football. Correct. Hall of Fame. He is an absolute stud. Correct. Okay. Moving on to Iowa. How about I start here? Go ahead. I know you don't like this one, and I don't care. My favorite is Tavian Banks running back. Oh, I, no, no problem at all. With that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, so I, I can remember Sed Shaw was the guy, right? And I remember occasionally they'd give the ball to Tavian. And I'm like, why don't they give him the ball more? He is so fast. He had the quickest feet. I love Tavian. I mean, we had a two pretty good one and two combo yes. with Sed Shaw. I mean, Sed Shaw was a, a stud as well. Um, quick Tavian Banks story. <laughs> Um, so I actually came, I actually came to, I was a running back, believe it or not. Right. And, uh, so I sat in the room with Davian Banks and it was, uh, I believe 96 could have been nine. No, it would have been 96. And, uh, Tave wasn't playing just like you talked about. He got in way late in the game after we were already okay. blowing somebody out and it was a pass play and Taven goes up to the defensive end to block him. That was his job. Okay. And the defensive end kind of sat there, so Tavian just kind of relaxed, and then the defensive end just blew past him and, and crunched the quarterback. Okay, so Tavian was a laid back, yeah, dude. Sure. And our running back coach screams at him like, "Tavian, Tavian, why'd you block that defensive end?" And like the room goes silent, and Tavian goes, "Ah, oh, shoot, coach, I thought the defensive end was just chilling." <laughs> <laughs> 
And we all we all died laughing, man. It was the funniest thing in the world. Yeah, not not a willing blocker. I will say that about not, him. Not not, but boy, I tell you what, if that guy had a crease in the secondary, yeah. right, he was he was gone. He was as fast as what you would think he would all right, be. Who's so. yours? All right, so obviously it's it's difficult, right? It's it's Iowa. I mean, my my number one favorite player of all times, my brother. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and just and then my number two favorite player is my other brother. He also played college football, but a uh, little bit of obscure because I knew guys on the team, right? You know, I knew Brett Buelma. I knew, you know, Matt Rogers, like because of my sure. brother, he lived with half these guys, but there's a guy who was a tight end. Go, go figure, right? And his name okay. was Michael Titley. Okay. And he was good tight end for their 90 Rose Bowl team. I won't go into the stories, but basically he was just good. He when he caught the ball, he did this like kind of little low-handed duck walk sure, yeah, thing I to celebrate touchdowns, and he was just like the nicest, funniest dude to me whenever I got to hang out with the football team. So Michael Titley, okay, Michael Titley, tight end, good. Moving on, this one new addition to the Big Ten, so not as much history for us, but Maryland. You want to start or should I? Yeah, Maryland. I mean, this was speaking of newest addition. This is by far the most recent player on here. Um, I will profess that I wasn't a gigantic Maryland football fan right. growing up during the times that we're talking about here, but Stefan Diggs was okay. an absolute stud to watch. Um, I remember thinking that he was, a, I, I, when he didn't go in the first round, I, 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 I'm a Giants fan. I want the Giants to take okay. him because I thought he was an absolute stud. Goes to the Vikings. I remember telling our buddy, mutual buddy, Patrick, I'm like, you're going to love this guy. This yeah. guy is, a, and I think I've, that's that's turned out to be true. And he like he not only is a great NFL player, he was a great college player. He was a great recruit. I think he was, he was a five a star recruit. recruit. And, yeah. he, and he's from that area, right? Yeah, so that's I mean, why he stayed in Maryland. This guy just you he's know through his whole career, forever. he's been uh, rock steady. Uh, mine, I'm gonna go with EJ Henderson. I we already about talked about EJ Henderson because, and this was pre pre Big Ten, obviously way pre Big Ten. But I can remember seeing EJ Henderson in the preview magazines, and I was like, oh man, look at this guy! I cannot wait to watch Maryland this year. And I remember what. And I would just watch EJ, and he was he, just a wrecking ball. It was ball. like he got in on every play. Yes. He was all over the field. Yep. Easy choice for me. Okay, Michigan. I'm going to start with this one. Uh, okay. You're, you're Running back, uh, Chris Perry. Oh, okay. All right. A little bit obscure there. A little okay. bit of a deep cut. Oof. I mean, it's not the one that you that would probably jump out to most people, but here's, why I, here's when I started loving Chris Perry. Versus Michigan State 2003. He ran the ball 51 yes. times he was for 219 yards. He was an absolute beast. And I don't know if you remember this. I, f- I felt like he was injured that game, too. Maybe I'm confusing that with somebody That's else. That's the type but of guy 50, that he could have been injured the whole year. It, it still wouldn't have mattered, been the same, right? right? And won the silver award, or yeah. silver football award for, for Big Ten MVP. Yeah, he That's was an I'm... absolute stud. Um, Good, good. Okay. Um, All right. I'm going back. I'm okay. going back to my uh, <laughs> late 80s, early 90s running back. I thought for sure this is where you're going. Okay. Michigan running back, Tisiamunga Biakabatuka. Oh, uh, Shamunga. I love that guy. <laughs> Don't call That's... him Tim Biakabatuka. Yeah. Tisiamunga <laughs> so, Biakabatuka. He would be up there for me as well. Ugh, I can tell you I can tell you a story about him. Uh, they were at Illinois. I can't remember which year it was. Maybe 94. I think that's probably the year it was. Kevin Hardy, amazing linebacker mm-hmm. for Illinois, right? Went on to, to many years in the NFL. Um, second overall draft pick in the, the 95 draft. The hole opens up. Shimanga starts running through the hole. Kevin fills, and Shimanga did this, like, 
piston thing with his feet, and Kevin Hardy literally stood in one place and fell forward on the ground. He could, didn't even know what to do, and, and Shimanga just ran right around him. Was it was good. the craziest juke I've ever seen. I think he fits in that not the fastest guy, not the biggest guy. Oh, but his that, feet were so quick. Oh, he was good. Yeah, yeah, I like Shimanga. Nice. Okay, moving on to Michigan State. Okay. Percy Snow, Ooh. linebacker, Michigan State I'm a little University. Jealous. I'm a little jealous. He may be the first non-Illinois player that I can remember like just watching and falling in love with. That's a great. I, rem- I remember watching the game and the way that the, the announcers were describing how they, their defense tries to filter everything to Percy. Like, just force everything inside, and just Percy's going to take care of it. And he did. He did. He had, like, probably 18, 20 tackles in that game. And he had the, at the time, the larger-sized shoulder pads. Yes, oh, yeah. That made him look like the Incredible Hulk. And green, too. That kind of works. Yeah. Um, Yes, that's that's a great uh, uh, choice. Mine, a little bit tougher, like... I flirted with TJ Duckett. That yeah, was up he there. was a good one. He was it was very close for me. But um, for for years there, it, it, they were making the same wide receiver. Yeah, it just kept going through. Okay, and I remember being petrified. So in this way, a blast <laughs> to watch him when he wasn't playing Iowa. Sure, Charles Rogers yeah. was insane. Oh god, yeah. the guy he had a two year you know stint. Oh one, oh two. He was unguardable, man. That guy. Well, he was one of those rare, rare wide receivers that literally could do whatever he wanted. Correct. Like if he wanted to get open, he would. If he wanted to catch the ball, he would. It was like it was almost Randy Moss like. Because it was Plaxico and Charles yeah. Rogers, but I thought Charles Rogers took it a step. I up, thought he was maybe. better than Plaxico yeah. in college. In yeah. college, yeah. Yep. Uh, moving on to Minnesota. You want to start? You know, funny. Thank you for that's perfect because th- this is almost the exact same player going from Charles Rogers to Minnesota. Okay. Being a player that when he played against Iowa, I was nervous, but loved watching him outside, which is tailback Lawrence Maroney. Oh, boy. I know it was him and Barber. Yep. I, I got, I'm not trying to besmirch Barber. Marion Barber was a stud. But Lawrence Maroney was very Tavian Banks-like in the fact sure. that any crease that that guy got, and he was gone. Okay, so great choice. I loved him, too. He had an offer from Illinois. Illinois pulled his offer. He's from St. Bad Louis. Bad Bad, well, there's a story behind it. Uh, Jay Lehman told it on the the uh, Jeremy Werner show okay. um, from Illini Inquirer. And they were... I think Jay was already at Illinois and they were recruiting Maroney, I believe is how it went. Or else maybe he was in the same recruiting class. But anyway, he was on the same recruiting weekend uh, hanging out with Maroney. And Maroney was just getting in everybody's face, everyone that was on the team already, huh. like including current running backs on the roster and saying, I'm going to take your job. I'm going to take your job. I'm the best running back. And we had like Pierre Thomas back then and yeah. like a couple other really, like really good backfield back then. And Jay and a few other guys kind of went. I don't think he's kind of fitting in with, yeah. with all the with with us right now. And like he, it just nobody liked him, and so Illinois pulled his offer. And Glenn and, Mason is like, oh yeah. That's my so guy. <laughs> so then he he continues with the story. So then Jay, of course, works with Glenn Mason at the Big Ten Network. So Glenn told him. So we get, we get Maroney, and he comes as a true freshman. The first practice ever, we put him on special teams. He blew some guy up the first play. And he, we knew instantly that this guy was going to be an awesome player for us. Sometimes 
the personality is worth it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so in the in the Mo Washington, you know, comparison, yep. if it's if it's Lawrence Maroney, yeah, might be worth it. Yeah. So mine, and this goes back to my defensive back uh, fetish, if you will, Tyrone Carter, cornerback. Oh, sure. Just, I mean, best cornerback in the country won, won the Thorpe Award. Yeah. So I just remember, I love the fact that the best tough, player. Just tough Tough, player. but he was from Minnesota. He wasn't from a, yep. a blue blood program. So I always like Tyrone. Great choice. All right, Nebraska, you, you start. Tough. This was a tough one for me. Well, there's so many great players. Yep. Um, Amon Green was oh, yeah. 1B. Amon Green okay, was 1B. Okay, he was up there for me. You, you literally, we could record this podcast tomorrow, and he might have been my choice. Because um, he was a Packers player. That's why I loved him. Yep, and also one of those running backs that looked like how a running back is yeah. supposed to look. But I'm going to go closer to maybe more of the type of running back I was, which was like the running back fullback, and I'm going to okay. go with Corey Slushen. Oh, he was a good one, yeah. Yeah, just, yeah. I mean, tough. Grinder. Obviously, you know, was, I'm sure – any Nebraska follower could probably tell you 42, you know, Corey Schlesinger's. My guess is he was the type of player that set the tone in practice toughness. I would imagine like that. Yeah. yeah. Just, he would just put his head down and just grind for right. people. Uh, this was a tough one for me, but after thinking about it, I think the clear winner here is Tommy Frazier quarterback. Um, it was, that, those type of guys are a little too obvious for me, but don't get yeah, me wrong. I mean, but I just couldn't, I couldn't look past it. I thought about Eric Crouch, too, because I really like Crouch. But that Florida game that Tommy Frazier played, where he broke like 15 tackles in the one play, yep. I just th – that's all I needed right there is yep. watching that Florida game. And I believe uh, Ron Zook was the defensive coordinator for Florida hmm. in that game. Hmm. Always an Illinois tie. Zucker. All right, Northwestern, I'll start with this one. Uh, I wouldn't call this a deep cut because he was a great, great player. But this is before Northwestern was Northwestern. Okay. Lee Gissendaner, wide receiver. Remember him? I do not. He won the silver football. Bless you. He won the silver football, best player in the Big Ten, on a 3-8 and eight team. Really? He was that good. What years? Uh, he played from – so that was 92 when he won the silver football. No kidding? Yeah. Wow. And so this is – all right, so where I grew up in Chicago, our high school coaches had ties to Northwestern, to the program. So we would camp at Northwestern in, over the summer. We'd go to their, their camp. And so I, like, you know, kind of grew up at – around Northwestern. And so they stunk back then, but I remember the one shining light was Lee Gissendaner. Wow. So he always sticks out for me. Great. Yeah. Nice. Um, I almost went with the Autrys. Yeah. Okay. The running backs. Cause it was like four straight years of Autrys, Darnell Autry and Adrian Autry. Well, you're thinking of, Oh, They're that's right. There wasn't a, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's right. So that would, but to me, I felt like the most exciting player that maybe took that offense to the next level was wide receiver Dwayne Bates. I almost picked Dwayne Bates. He'd he probably was, be my second. He was kind of almost into that Charles Rogers zone. Maybe yes. not quite as talented, but he was studly, very studly, very, very, uh, uh, scary to go against. So, yeah, I met Darnell Autry in Chicago one time. Okay. He was a bartender. He served me a beer. And I'm like, you're Darnell Autry, aren't you? It's like, yeah, I am. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. give me a beer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Ohio State. This one for me was not that tough. Okay. Because I also have a thing for for guys that play multiple positions. Chris Gamble, remember? Oh, that's a good. That is a good answer. I mean, I remember a Penn yeah. State game that was a huge game. 
And it was so important that, like, Chris Campbell's our best athlete. We're just going to put him at cornerback to cover Penn State. I don't remember who the receiver was, but he's that good. He doesn't even play the position. We're going to throw him out there. Yeah. And he played great. He did it all. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's a good. Uh, almost went Orlando pace because I felt yeah, like I thought I, about him. Uh, Eddie George was not my, not my type of running back, but also a good running back. But went the excitement level, went the blew off the – yeah, field or TV screen level, Terry Glenn. Oh, man. Wide receiver, yes. Terry Glenn. I thought about Terry. 92, 90, I mean, that guy was as – I think he was, like, the still the fastest guy in the NFL when he was, like, 31 right. type of guy. That's that's how he rolled. It, and I don't remember if it was at Ohio State, but that one catch that he had where he he just laid out, like, more than, than I've ever really seen a receiver do, caught it and, like – Curled his shoulder down yep. and it's like iconic catch. That's the one that always sticks out to me. I think that was when he was at Ohio yep, State. I think, I so think that was pre NFL. Yep. All right, Penn State. Uh, this one for me is kind of like you were talking about. Uh, hard to pick them because you're scared of them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Lavar Arrington. Oh man, and, that's and, a great that's a great choice. And do you remember when he when he leapfrogged the offensive line and, that and was tackled? Illinois, wasn't it? That was Illinois. Kirk Johnson was the name of that quarterback. He was our backup. He was our plan B when we lost Chris Redman. That what do you remember when um who's Jadavian Clowney? Yep. When it when he the Michigan blew hit, up the yeah, Michigan, yeah. it's gotten overplayed. Way overplayed. That this was the precursor. Absolutely. To that. The hit itself was fine. It wasn't like he blew him up. Oh no, no, no. It's just the it's just timing he... it up in the <laughs> athletic talent. <laughs> and he tackled the quarterback in his drop back. In the air, like flying through the air. It's literally like stuff you can only do on video games. Yes. And like not the good video games now, like the old 8-bit ones where you could like time the snap type of deal. It was insane. <laughs> I can remember exactly where I was watching it. And like, I can't remember if I screamed, cried, laughed, or probably did all three. Yeah. But in the end, even as an opposing fan, you're like, that was oh, awesome. Oh, that was, was awesome. And they just, of course, destroyed Illinois that day. Yeah. So you know my age, you know my penchant for running backs. Can you guess where I'm going? Uh, the um, yeah, um, Kajana Carter. Nice. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Just a crease and gone yeah. type of guy. A little bowling um, ball. Uh, Penn State was so good offensively. I, I like when you like people always talk about the uh, Miami Hurricane, like late two late nineties, early two thousand, which they sh- they should. I mean, there was just a, a plethora of talent out there. Those Penn State offenses around the yeah. mid to early 90s were amazing. Okay, let me tell you a story. And it was my type of offense, too, man. They, yeah. your, they their goal was to run the ball. But they could pass the ball, too. Yeah. Okay, so 1994, they came to Champaign. I was a sophomore, and I couldn't go to that game because I had some stupid paper that I had to write. So I was <laughs> in – I'm not joking. I was in the basement of the library researching, right? And I'm like, ah, stupid paper missing the game and i at the time we had a cannon that would go off every time you score a touchdown so it, it would go off once for a field goal three times for a touchdown okay and i kept hearing boom 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 and i'm like what are they like testing the cannon out before the game the game should have started all right because i just imagine they were just gonna you know mop the field with us and then 10 minutes later boom it just kept going off I, I'm walking back to my dorm, keep hearing it. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> I run into my dorm room. My roommate is right. She just goes, oh, my God, we're winning. We're beating Penn State. And, you know, we were up like, I don't know, 35 to, I don't know, at some point, 30, 35 to 14 or something. But they yeah. came back and won. They came back and won. Oh, yeah, of course. 
Really? Oh, oh yeah. I gotta, I'd like to go back and watch that game. That sounds good. Yeah, we were up big time. We were up like 28 to 7 who's in the a, first half. Who was the Illinois quarterback for that game? Uh, uh, Johnny Johnson. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. De- actually, had a really good defense that year, Illinois did. Um, okay. Moving on to Purdue University. All right. This is my deepest cut. Okay. By far. Yeah, I remember you telling me. Of okay. the list. All right. All right. Uh, again, multi-positional type of player that always gets me. There was a linebacker named John Reeves. Do you remember that guy? I do not. Okay. He started as a quarterback, and I can remember watching him play quarterback. He wasn't never was a starter, but he'd get in occasionally. Pretty athletic quarterback. Okay. And then one year I turn on a Purdue game, and it's the same guy, same number. He's bulked up, like looks like a different person, and he's playing linebacker. Really? I'm like, what the hell's going on here? Really? And he was pretty damn good. He played in the NFL for a couple years. Okay. So that always stood out to me. John Reeves, Reeves linebacker, Purdue okay. University. Mike Allstadt. Yeah. I mean, that, that, like to me, it's almost like taking Tommy Frazier for Nebraska. It's like, yeah. I don't care. I don't care if it's obvious. Sure. Mike Allstadt just just ran people over, but he had speed. He had some moves, He was too. good. He, he would mix you up if you if you were, had to come in for the big hit. Ended he was up, an absolute stud. Ended up being a very good NFL player. Played at Joliet Catholic High School. All right, moving on. Rutgers University. You start. Okay. Mine is, this wasn't that hard for me. Brian Leonard, running back. Do you remember oh, him? Okay. Like early 2000s? I was going to joke when you say, okay, that's my choice. I don't have one. <laughs> but No, come on. Yeah. Who's your favorite Rutgers player? You know, it, it's, I guess it's bad for looking back now, but I remember watching Ray Rice run the ball, and he was very, very oh, good. Oh, gosh. He was awesome. Yep. But Brian Leonard was like, he was a kind of a taller running back, yeah. but he was an all-purpose guy. Like, didn't get a ton of yards on the ground, but... He would catch the ball a lot, too. I love Brian Leonard. And Illinois played a home-and-home home with them back then. Okay, moving on to Wisconsin. Well, w, w, so alphabet. That's why the last Last time. one. This is the last one that we're going to do. Uh, this is My love for cornerbacks is going to shine through again Ooh. here. Jamar Fletcher, that cornerback. Is our fir- it's our first it's Okay. Our first wow, our first yeah. duplicate. I mean, so he was at Wisconsin, same time I was at Iowa. So being a D-back, you watch, sure. you know. That guy was, and he was so good. I mean, I don't think he won the 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 um, what's the defensive back award called? I'm uh, I'm blanking on it. Uh, the best defensive back. Uh, anyway, Thorpe, the Thorpe Award. <laughs> Thank you. I don't think he won the Thorpe Award. I don't believe, but he was the best cornerback in the country. He was an absolute stud. Um, just had it all. Night uh, enough size, but the athletic ability oh, so long. wasn't like the guy was heart was. Uh, um, Afraid to tackle, he was what no. he wanted as a as a as a defensive back, cornerback, whatever. And at the time, I was just out of college, and I was living with a buddy of mine who was a Wisconsin fan. So we watched every Wisconsin game. So I was like, kind of a closet Badger fan yeah. back in those days. Yeah, that's it. That was good. All right, that was fun. You know, kind of looking back, looking back on our list, I only had one quarterback. Jeez, and, and he uh, played Illinois. I only have one. I have Tommy Frazier. Yeah. And is that it? Well, you had your guy that started as a quarterback. At, well, true. Okay. But, but I only have one true qu- quarterback yeah. as well. Tommy. Yeah. Isn't That's that, good. So that probably gives you a little bit of look into our football psyche. We uh, go a little bit deeper well, than just the who's on the, that we don't the screen all the time. The extreme importance of a quarterback. Sure. But again, for me growing up, Football was running back. Running back was football. That's yep. that's how it was. Quarter, you know, throwing the ball is what you had to do to, you know, 
to get the points on the board. Right. But the cool part was around. The, I'm still that way. That is still in my football DNA, and I sure. think it, it's kind of it shows up for both me and you on this. Well, that was good memories. Yeah, man. I hope uh, I hope you guys enjoyed that. That was fun for us yeah. to go through with that. I guess that's the end, huh? Yeah, that's I, it. I think we're all done. All right. Uh, uh, read, rate, and review. Obviously, sharing this on, with you know, anytime you share it on, the numbers go up. That's obviously huge for us. So very much appreciate you doing that. I am Jeffrey the Greek. And I am Big Kurt. Thanks for joining us. Thanks. Thanks.